The Christian Science Monitor described this movie as a mess and was too jammed with ethnic stereotypes for just kidding to be an excuse. Julie Salomon of the Wall Street Journal called it interesting as an example of how talented, or at least experienced, people can spend a great deal of time, money, and effort on a movie that fails consistently in almost every single scene. And Ernest Tucker of the Chicago Sun-Times hailed it as a funny, sometimes insightful look at what life might be like when a hardened criminal is plunked down in middle-class suburbia. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of my blue heaven. Sequel. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. It's Ruined Childhood's time. <laughs> it's Dan over here on this side. And it's John over here. I uh, just want to say, we are, this is episode 45 We've been committing to this greeting Starfighters thing. We, I mean, did we start doing it? Yeah. In episode one? I mean. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, I, we're, we're about, we're, we're 11 months in our, our first episode. If I, if I'm correct is, uh, January 25th. Is that true? 2019. Wow. So we're, yeah, we're, we're coming up on the, on the one year and s- Speaking of, while we're talking about just, I don't know, the year, the end of the year, I wanted to throw out there a plug for our end of the year or end of the decade survey. And as people check it out, there's a link in our Instagram bio at Rune Childhood's pod. John? Yeah. Well, and then we will discuss the results on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I feel like it's kind of slipped my mind to mention it. I know you've you've thrown it into some of the episode descriptions and I just right. wanted to just I mean, we've got some interesting responses coming in. Uh, definitely uh, a few trends starting out. Nice. Not a whole lot of I'll love for Independence the, Day resurgence. <laughs> I'll also make sure to put the link. The link was in the last episode's description, but I'll put it in the, this yes. episode's description as well. Yes. So, um, but we look forward to kind of just, you know, gauging, you know, get getting getting your your take on the various remakes, reboots, sequels, prequels, what have yous of the last 10 years. And which that, by the way, if you're new to the new to the podcast, that's that's what John and I talk about here. That's what this is about. And, and you know, while we're just kicking things off before we're getting into the the meat of the episode. Um, may as well bring up a few movies I've seen lately that fall into that category. Uh, mm-hmm. I just saw the the new adaptation of Little Women not too long ago. Ah, and, the Gerwig yeah, adaptation. Yeah, and I really, really liked it. It is delightful. Um, I know that some people out there may be purists for the 90s adaptation, you mean the one with Susan Sarandon? The <laughs> one with did, Susan Sarandon. That she did not long after Lorenzo's Oil. That is accurate. 
<laughs> so, uh, but the the new the Greta Gerwig Little Women, it's it's really fun because it's still very much in the spirit of that era, and it's not like it's trying to, I don't know, bring it into modern times, but it still feels like a Greta Gerwig mentality. I mean. <laughs> It's just, it's interesting because when I first heard Greta Gerwig was adapting Little Women, I was just like, is this going to be like the Greta Gerwig? And and, and she's, I believe she's more, she's New York, New York based. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And I just, I, I think of, um, which I know she didn't direct Frances Ha. Did she direct Frances Ha? I, ooh, she wrote it. I feel like. That's a true thing to say. It's, it's definitely her like voice, whether it's her as the, you know, kind of her as the, you know, the the character. That, no, oh, no, 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 Bombach. no Bombach. Okay, so yeah, uh, and yeah. they wrote it together. Okay, yeah. So I, I, I kind of was not sure what to expect, and I, I haven't seen Little Women yet, but it's it. It reads, at least in the trailers, like a fairly traditional adaptation that maybe has, I'm thinking, a little more like spunk, a little more energy. It definitely has versions. energy. It, it, I mean, so I saw it with Laura, my wife, and she remembers the 90s version better than I do. And she says that this one was a little bit more true to the book and included things that definitely I don't know shouldn't have been omitted that were originally and mm-hmm. that that helped make the characters a little bit more rich and you know certain characters that were maybe you know glossed over a little bit in the 90s version are focused on a little bit more here the the um, Gillian Armstrong adaptation Jillian sure. Armstrong, who directed. Yeah. Oh no, just giving credit where credit is due here. And you know, solid filmmaker there. Yeah, and uh, Greta Gerwig teams back up with uh, Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet of uh, Lady Bird, her other main, uh, you know, directorial. That's right. She did achievement. Direct, she. That's right. She directed Lady Bird, which I thought was fantastic. Really I think the only other Bird. thing that she did was, you know, maybe 10 years ago and wasn't like a big thing. So this is, she's kind of like, okay, hit the ground running with Lady Bird. I mean, she's been so active in the past 10 years yeah. with, um, you know, all the stuff that she does like with Noah Baumbach. But uh, yeah, Little Women, when I saw that she was doing it, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Well, and she got Meryl Streep up in that. She did, and it's it's funny because it's like Meryl Streep. I'm not gonna say she's the weak link, but she's like a contender for it in that movie. There's such strong performances in there. I mean, you got yourself Laura Dern, and oh. she's like the new Meryl Streep. She's she's Marmy. She Marmy. The she's the the mother i don't remember yeah. the name i'm yeah. pretty sure that's yeah what i remember them calling susan sarandon that but yeah ah, gotcha uh, laura she's D- the new sarandon but yeah you know, like and while we're on laura dern just to briefly tangent i mean 
when you look at Laura Dern's career and you realize how long she has just she's been killing it. I mean, freaking Blue Velvet, nineteen eighty six. Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Like I, I forget, like you know, Jurassic Park in ninety three, right. which I mean, you know, is a big film that she was in. But as an actress, Wild at Heart. Uh, I mean, just every, mm-hmm. pretty much everything she did with with David Lynch, everything she's done with David Lynch has been. And remarkable. then Citizen Ruth. Citizen Ruth is outstanding. Which is crazy. Loves yeah. Tackleberry's in that. David Graff. Oh, David Graff. He's the judge. Pour one out. Pour one out for David Graff. Yeah, she's been in a ton of stuff lately. She was just well, Star I mean, Wars the past the past couple of years. Yeah, and also uh, she's in Marriage Story. She's in. So and she's, she's on TV. Very she's in. Um, oh, what's the? Well, uh, I Big loved Little her Lies. in Enlight. Do you remember, oh, Big Little Eyes? She's great. Do you ever watch Enlightened? The, I Enlightened never watched was so it. So good. I'm always it's when I see good. Mike White involved, I'm like, I know there's going to be discomfort, most likely. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, I'm like still scarred from Chuck and Buck. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Remember that one? Uh, have you seen Have you seen anything lately? Um, let's see. We watched. I know you have yet to see the new Star Wars that, that which falls by, into our. By the time people are hearing this, mm-hmm. I will have seen it. So, and I believe you saw it. I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not we're not discussing it any further beyond I, beyond I that. I will say nothing. I'll be seeing it on Saturday. We had oh, we had a little scare. Our, our babysitter has the flu. So, and we've had our Star Wars tickets. I think for for a couple of months since like early November. So, so a month and a half. But did you really need to get them that far in advance? You know what? I think Alicia was coming back. My wife, Alicia, was traveling back from the East Coast. And I think she saw, like, got a notification that they were coming on sale at this theater that we like to go to, which kind of has, like, limited seating. And... So I think she just, she kind of was like, you know, screw it. I know we're going to like go see this. So she bought the tickets. You know what, Dan? I'm a lot like Vin Diesel. I live my life one quarter mile at a time. So I can't plan that far in advance to get tickets for a movie. It's got to be like day of or day before. I'm like, can I make this work? Oh, well, I mean, but that's a nice thing. Like we have our, our regular babysitter and we definitely book a lot of dates with her in advance because she's amazing and but unfortunately she had there's a bad flu going around going around in seattle so uh our babysitter got the flu and i uh was able to call in backup but we had like you know a good 10 to 15 minutes of you know, are we going to, the, the panic of, so, did, did we? So the ba- the babysitter's got the flu, but you're the one shitting yourself. Oh, well, almost, almost. Except I, I wasn't because one of the bonuses to being a high school teacher is that I, and also teaching, I, I teach on the younger side of high school. So my my students who are former students stick around for a few years usually and I then can employ them as babysitters. I don't. There you go. I will not. And this is, I will stand on principle here, but I will not hire a student while they are in my class, while they are on my roster. Mm-hmm. I I will not, will not do that. That's my policy. 
So I kind of screen them freshman year, and then after that, I, you know, the select few that make it get recruited. <laughs> it's all a big scheme. Yeah, you know, it's it's I recruit them. It's it's like uh, what's it called when they, when they recruit Keanu Reeves in Devil's Advocate. Like he like he's been recruited. I I don't think there's don't any know. other way. Maybe to... maybe that wasn't the right one. Anyway, John, sorry. Well, I'm... attorneys get recruited. That's a thing. Headhunted. Yes, yes. yes. They get a but it's one of these you know as they're passing by you know in in between in between classes and I'm like stop by when you have a moment. I have some I have some business I'd like to discuss. Yeah, yeah. Al Pacino style. Yeah. Oh, I so, I'm not even going to so, try to do Al Pacino. We'll get Cesar Gracia no, on don't. the show for that. Uh, so this episode, we're talking My Blue Heaven. My Blue Heaven. My Blue Heaven. And I, I'm going to jump right into it here before you Please. synopsize. Well, I, I actually was going to say that I, I want you to do the synopsis for this one. Oh, OK. All right. Glorious. Um, so, John, actually... <laughs> You and I, as you know, I like that one, Glorious. Uh, you and I, if I remember correctly, saw My Blue Heaven for the first time together. Wonderful. Go on. I believe... Now, I... So I, this would be 1990, probably, August, if we're seeing it when it comes August out. August 1990. If I remember correctly, we were spending... I don't know if it was the day. I don't know if it was the weekend. We were with... Grandma and Grandpa. We were in we were in Cranberry, New Jersey, where Grandma and Grandpa lived at the time. And what do you do when you've got three boys, ages twelve, going on thirteen, seven right. or no? Uh, sorry, eight going well, on. Yeah, nine. I mean, right, and I'd be seven. Yeah, the math is so much easier to do with Scott since mom went into labor with him at my fourth birthday party. So <laughs> I remember that. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. So go on. We're anyway, with Grandma I went and, Grandpa, and I went on with Grandma and Grandpa that night. Uh, so with and my Star Wars figures. So there's the relevance. Anyway, so I so I if I remember correctly, I'm I'm fairly certain I do. Grandma took us to the movies and I guess this was the only thing. I mean, if you look now, at, I also, I also, for anybody who is a devout listener, this is the same grandma and grandpa that Dan, uh, unintentionally saw the disorderlies with for the first time on the TV at the ground round. Oh yeah, with the boobs. Yes, with the boobs. So, so <laughs> briefly. So to to kind of show you to kind of give you a sense of what was playing in the theaters that you could take three kids in that age range to go see here's what was in uh the the weekend that my blue heaven opened it opened in fourth place it of course opened against the uh number 1 movie at the box office that weekend exorcist 3 which okay. i i also saw in in the theater and I'll save that. Right, in but case not we for not with younger grandma. children. No, I did not see that with grandma or with you. Uh Ghost was in the theater, not something okay. not something for children. Flatliners. Okay. I'm kind of going down the box office for that weekend. So Flatliners, not also not a picture for children. Uh and then you had My Blue Heaven opening at number four, presumed innocent. Days of Thunder, which yeah, oh, Days of Thunder. I would I would come to love and appreciate Air America, 
Mel Gibson, Robert okay. Downey Jr., Vietnam, Navy SEALs. Not much out at this time no, for children. No, prob- Problem Child is the next one, and I don't okay. know where and when that was playing. So anyway, we went to go see My Blue Heaven. And you know what? Actually, John, my setup for this is going to lead lead me into the synopsis. Perfect. So buckle up. Uh, so we went to a movie theater. I don't recall exactly which movie theater, but it would have been... Somewhere in we were Central in Jersey. Cranberry, New Jersey. This is not yeah. our home turf. I want to say East. If I had to guess, I would say East Windsor, East Windsor. <laughs> so, so we saw My Blue Heaven there, and I remember. I mean, first I remembered, uh, you know, wanting to see the movie, having been a fan of Parenthood, which came out the previous right. summer. And paired Steve Martin and Rick Moranis, and as well as right. Little Shop of Horrors, another movie that I I loved and still love to this day. But uh, so very excited to see My Blue Heaven, and and kind of interested in the whole. I think I discovered the the Godfather earlier mm-hmm. that year or sometime around there. So I I had kind of been get, gaining interest in these mafia movies. And one of those movies that was one that we saw a trailer for. And I remember distinctly seeing the trailer for Goodfellas, which was also a Warner Brothers film and was released later that year in in 1990. Uh And it it stuck out to me because growing up Jewish, I think you kind of tend to – when you see something about your – about Judaism – and I think whenever you're kind of like in a, you know, somewhat, you know, minority group, you you kind of you like you recognize and you're like, oh, yeah. All right. I I know that. And I relate to that. And when they in in the trailer, you see a, a scene of, of Ray Liotta as Henry Hill and he's in the shower and he's wearing the Star of David and mm-hmm. and and the cross. I was like, oh, oh, is he like a Jewish gangster? So I I didn't know much about it, but I remember just seeing that trailer and what I didn't know at the time, what I didn't know until not too long ago is that the, the writer of uh, the, the book and the screenplay Goodfellas, Nicholas Pileggi was, uh, or Pileggi, sorry, my uh, apologies if I mispronounce it, uh, was married to Nora Nora Ephron. Ephron. The screenwriter of Nora Ephron, and Nora, Nora Ephron, Ephron is the screenwriter. <laughs> Nora, Nora Ephron. Ephron. Okay. No, no. Anyway, sorry. Right. Pour one out so for Nora, Nora Ephron, Ephron. By the way, pour one out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, screenwriter for My Blue Heaven. Screenwriter for My Blue Heaven, which yeah. picks up. As a New York gangster is placed in federal witness protection program in the middle of the suburbs, which is where Goodfellas ends. Right. So more or less, I feel like Nora Ephron and Nicholas Pileggi were like working on these scripts. And it's almost like the one I mean, My Blue Heaven came out first. So is Goodfellas the prequel to My Blue Heaven? (laughs) It's a really interesting thing to consider. But you think I, I'd about, say it's an unofficial, non-canon prequel. But 
you think about the beginning of Goodfellas when it's like he comes out in the bathrobe to pick out the pa- pick up the paper and he, like he looked miserable, and it's yeah. the same as as Vinny, uh, Vincent Antonelli, Todd Wilkinson in Todd My Blue Wilkinson, Heaven, right? So this is so uh so this is this is kind of, this so this is into the synopsis. This is where we pick up. We start the movie with uh, v- Vinny Antonelli, played by Steve Martin being moved to into the suburbs he and his wife linda are are and they're uh they're being handled by an fbi kind of a a really uptight fbi agent barney cooper smith played by rick moranis he's he forgets to take off his seatbelt every time it's one of my yeah. favorite running gags in movies that he keeps forgetting to take off his seatbelt but well, he's i I'd, I'd say that that is one of the things about and there are so many things about this movie that I don't know that you that stick with you. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that's one of them. And there are just a lot of little lines and things here There's and there, especially so that Vincent says that really just stick in you. And you just remember like out of nowhere, they're the types of things where you're just like, what movie was that from? And it's my blue heaven. Oh, and, and I, I will come back to that. To that idea, that <laughs> sense of what sticks with you and what really right. gets into your mind. Uh, so the so where where it picks up is we meet Vinny, and he gets he's given this pseudonym. Uh, we kind of get a sense for his character. He tries to tip everybody. He has no idea what his social security number is. I don't know if he's necessarily tipping or if he's kind of greasing. He's. Uh, he kind of clarifies that later on because because he does say like I appreciate what you do or something like that as he hands he slips him the he money. He does it that time, but he but the thing is, every other time in the movie, he he over he tips. He actually talks about he believes in over tipping. That's true, and it becomes his philosophy. So yes, you're right. That is implied it, the first time that that we see it. So um, so you've anyway um, an interesting anecdote by the way about the casting is that Steve Martin was initially cast as Barney. Really? Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally cast as Vinny. And then Schwarzenegger was offered Kindergarten Cop and left My Blue Heaven. I think we can all be happy with this decision. Oh, everything worked out perfectly because then Steve Martin took over Vinny and, and suggested rick moranis as as barney but Bar- but rick Which moranis is perfect. not yes because rick moranis does uh loves playing characters named barney uh as he did in the flintstones oh that's right yeah so uh <laughs> yes, it might he been... loves playing characters named barney and, and... i'm sure he loved flintstones well he he loves playing characters named barney who and he's always paired with barney cooper smith he's always paired with taller women in this well it's kind of unavoidable he's no not i mean no not really i mean you could like tom cruise is not always paired with taller women and tom cruise is short. fair like fair. like but he always it's who's it with? J- joan cusack sigourney weaver um yeah uh harley jane kozak who's <laughs> maybe not <laughs> sigourney weaver tall but uh so I, i'm gonna get back to the synopsis okay yeah so Barney gets gets Vinny set up. You you learn after Barney leaves that 
Linda, Barney's wife, was going, had been planning on leaving him and only stayed with him long enough so that he could get a bigger house in a nicer place. And a bigger and, stipend. And more money. Yeah, and more money. Yeah. And then, and I don't know how you do this once you enter the, the witness protection program, but she just kind of splits. She just takes off. She goes, she like goes back to New York, I think. Yeah. Which I'm like, how do you do that? Especially if they've faked your death, which they've established happens, I think. Well, I mean, yeah. You have they to imagine also... that. Go ahead. Well, also because there are hitmen looking for Vinny, you have to imagine that knowing that she is around could tip them off that, you know, he is still somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have you have this the whole setup of the beginning, you know, Vinny getting moved in and his wife leaves him and he's just kind of miserable. And I think his first and then his first morning, you got the scene where he goes to the supermarket. Right. So and also th- before a lot of the scenes, there are kind of title cards and oh, they're yeah. from his perspective. So it's like. And this is when I try to fit in. It's from his. And, and that's. I, I think I, I want to say it's like chapter titles in his memoir. If you were right. going to tie it to the ending where he publishes his memoir. Right. So, yeah. And also, I think also before this setup, you also have the Rick Moranis character, Barney Cooper Smith, who you can kind of tell he's frustrated. He wants some, he's talking to his partner, Bill Irwin, played by Bill Irwin. Uh, Mr. Noodle, Mr. Of Sesame Street, one of, one of the one of the Mr. Noodles. I think he Sesame was Street. the original Mr. Noodle. I, was he or was it? Um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on Michael Jeter? I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was Bill Irwin. Well, Bill, Bill Irwin. He's been act. I mean, he was in the uh, Altman Popeye movie. Yeah, uh, he pops up all over the place and. He, I think that he has a background in miming, and he oh. shows that off really well with his physicality, and he manages to do that in My Blue Heaven, which is so much oh, fun. Oh, wonderfully! And I'll, I'll I'll share with you my little my Bill Irwin anecdote. So, first of all, to kind to support the the fact that he has a background in miming, one of the I, I mean maybe not one of the first Broadway shows I saw, but back in the early 90s he did a show on broadway it was he and uh david shiner another physical comedian and actor and it was called full moon and it was just all of these like miming acts it was brilliant it was amazing hmm. and then so now my personal bill irwin story is bill irwin lives or at least lived from maybe around like 2004 to 2007 around um, Bloomfield, New Jersey. Oh, really? Or Glen Ridge. Um, And he would, well, he lived in North Jersey and he would take the bus in to the city for auditions, rehearsals, whatever it was he was working on. And there were, I had a few occasions where I saw him on the bus and and chatted and spoke with him. Chatted with him. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. because I would be going in for auditions or doing various did you ever things. Talk and... about, did you ever talk about My Blue Heaven? Um, no, not really. I I think I just remembered. I like I didn't want to be too fanboyish because we were just kind of like you know two two guys on the bus. But I had really right. l- loved his work in Full Moon, among other things, and kind of found I I felt like you know. 
I didn't think it would be inappropriate to just say like, you know, Mr. Irwin, I, you know, just wanted to tell you, I've, you know, familiar with your work, remember seeing Full Moon on, on Broadway uh -huh. many years ago and just, you know, wanted to thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so... Cool. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, he's great in this. And they, they have this whole yeah. discussion about going undercover. and Right. Well, that's his whole thing is that like, because they're kind of just paperwork guys, really. And they don't really do anything exciting. And he's obsessed with the idea of going undercover. And like, remembers very fondly the one time that he did go undercover and got to drive a BMW. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dare to dream. Um, but yeah, and they have the whole thing about like, and then Bill Irwin just decides he's going to go undercover and Bar you can't make, you can't just make yourself undercover. And that's kind of a running, a right. running theme. Um, so they, they have this, this whole scene in the FBI office. And then, then you get to the, to the next day when, uh, when Vinny's at the, or no, I think first, first Jeff, sorry, Barney goes, Barney's going home. We don't have to go scene by scene. We don't. We're not like, going to go scene by scene. Yeah. But anyway, so you have the parallels of Vinny, Vinny's wife leaving him, and then Barney's wife leaves right. him with a. She leaves him. She's a. She's a sports therapist. Sports therapist. And she apparently has been having an affair with this pitcher who she's been treated. Apparently, she, and and it's implied that this is not the first player she has slept with. And they and it's implied that the players that she sleeps with do not end up. This is not like Bull Durham, where they get good once they start right, sleeping yeah. with Susan Sarandon of Susan Lorenzo's Sarandon. Oil. Mm -hmm. Right. So also of North Jersey. But I digress. So anyway, <laughs> so they're both their wives, their wives leave. Uh, Barney's wife is played by Colleen Camp, uh, of right. the, uh, also of the Police Academy series. And, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. And Die Hard with a Vengeance. So Colleen Camp, she leaves uh, She leaves him. And so he's kind of lonely and bummed out. Vinny's kind of lonely and and bummed out. And Vinny's also telling all of these, like, lies about... Uh, about how his how his wife died or how his what happened to his wife. Right. He tells Right. He is he's incapable of being honest. Yeah. And he's also incapable of not committing crimes wherever he goes. Oh, he tries credit card fraud. Well then this is and what this is one of my favorite parts of the movie is he he discovers that all of these Guys that he was, you know, organized crime guys that he knew from New York that he thought were dead. Right. Were all in witness protection and they apparently all yeah. live in this town. Right. <laughs> Which I think is, yeah. I, I love that as a device. Like it's, I'm sure it's not very realistic at all, but I think it's just no. so much and, fun. And then they all form their little crime ring. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, when they, basically, the scene when they have you lunch know, is fantastic. Oh, it's so funny where they're yeah. talking about how you can't get any good Italian food around there. And yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. And, and like Bill Hickey, William Hickey is in there with that famous the voice. It's a popover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty rat. Right. So he's the guy who works at the pet, the pet shop. Yeah. Peter Sparrow. <laughs> Yeah. Or no, not Peter, Peter Sparrow. Because then the other one is Peter Baker. 
Well, uh, it's something Sparrow. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. Billy so they're Sparrow, there because, so uh, the reason why this connection is made is because uh, when, oh God, when does he get, oh, he first gets arrested because a, a scene that we don't see, uh, he steals a car and apparently <laughs> like a pallet of booze or something yeah. from a, and the car is stolen from a priest. So he gets picked up by the like assistant DA who's played by Joan Cusack. And I'm, yeah. her character's name escapes Han- me right Hannah now. Stubbs. Hannah Stubbs. That's right. I'm Hannah and, Stubbs. Uh, I'm the district attorney. She's wonderful. And Joan, and Joan Cusack, who's fantastic, especially in Cradle Will Rock with Susan Sarandon about nine years after this came out, who was in Lorenzo's oh. Oil. Uh, but Joan Cusack, I saw in a, I happened to put on the movie Instant Family the other night. It was just streaming somewhere. Oh, okay. and I just wanted something yeah. that I could put on while I was doing some work. Yeah. And Joan Cusack shows up at the very end mm-hmm. in a very strange role. And that movie is, you know, it's fine. It's exactly what you think it'll be. It's the one with uh, Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg Rose and Rose Byrne, where they adopt three siblings or foster them to adopt. I, I, I watched part of it on somebody else's screen on an airplane once. That's Well, let my, me tell you. Yeah. If you're going to watch any of it, go all the way to the end. Because Joan Cusack pops up as just like this weird neighbor who like just kind of like shows up and is totally awkward and weird and is like just doesn't even like she doesn't even have a name. It's just like Joan Cusack is here. It's like, oh, and I love it. She just wandered on set. Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Pretty much. By the way, uh, her her perform her, the Hannah Stubbs performance and character arc reminds me so much of her performance and character arc in School of Rock. Huh. She kind of she's very uptight by the book, yeah. and she kind of it takes this this guy who doesn't play by the rules she to come in. She plays it and, really well. Yeah, yeah. She's so, great. So, so ba- in 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 my blue heaven, yeah. she's Hannah Stubbs, who uh, has two kids and is uh, pseudo recently divorced from her husband, who's played by Daniel, Daniel Stern. Stern. And um, you know he's just a jerk, and she's a bit of a pushover when it comes to him because he just like lets himself in and you know doesn't respect her boundaries and but she doesn't respect herself and this is a point that Vinny makes and uh-huh. case in point the shoes the shoes are tragic one of my yes. favorite lines so when she picks him up for grand theft auto and stealing booze uh they have this exchange where he points out that she's wearing these unfortunate shoes and that she should try wearing heels and um it's kind of just like it, it well, has nothing to do with like you should try to look nicer. It's like you should respect yourself more. Yeah, and yeah. Barney. Well, and yeah, I, I guess that's that, and that's one thing I want to talk about after we we get through the plot is, I guess, kind of <laughs> the the attitude. The the ad, well, so basically the plot is this. Yeah, Vinny has trouble adjusting to this, to even going by his his regular name. He ends up he keeps getting arrested, which then brings Barney in and Barney has to, you know, Barney has to bail him out. Meanwhile, Barney right. strikes up a relationship with Hannah. Yeah. And so Barney keeps on bailing him out because he needs to keep him anonymous. Yeah. And he needs to, yeah, he needs to keep his cover up so that he can testify the two times he needs to testify back in New York. And then kind of like after that, what happens to him happens to him. 
But like Barney's job is to make sure that until he testifies, he stays anonymous. And by committing all these crimes and getting busted by Hannah, he is continuously putting himself in danger. And she keeps on threatening to, you know, actually arrest him under his real name. I will say this, though. Barney is kind of condescending to her about the... He's oh, like, oh, you're he totally gonna, is. Like a couple of misdemeanors, come on. And she kind of makes a point. She's like, look, like, it might not... You know, Grand Theft Auto might not be a big deal in the streets of New York, but in a place where there's no crime, the or where there's very little crime, the littlest bit of crime sticks out. Yeah. So, but long... But, you know, that that's neither here nor there. So... Uh, Vinny, it's interesting because it's kind of got this interesting structure. The plays or the the movie's got this interesting structure that's like a play where the first act is kind of this building up to the trial, building up to to his first, his first, right, his first testimony. And he goes, so they, they go to New York, set up this, this is also the, the, the day's when you could meet somebody at the gate. That scene is so good. Oh, it's wonderful. The uh, Barney Cooper Smith, the inventor of the rotary engine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Vinny sets all this up with his, with his family or we, we, we can presume that this is his, his mother and his cousin. And right. Yeah. So, uh, so that he can kind of get away. He makes an appointment with his tailor. He does everything you're not supposed to do. If you're in witness protection program, he lets everybody know he's going to be in town yeah. And so Barney finds him and Barney's trying to keep him under control, but he keeps finding ways to get. And meanwhile, though, he's doing nice things. So he keeps finding ways to to kind of slip Barney or give Barney the slip. And but he's also doing these nice things because Barney also, you know, through his wardrobe shows that he really he doesn't carry himself confidently or proudly. And it, in the same way, Vinny tells Hannah like you need to spice up your wardrobe. He does this for Barney and he buys Barney right. this suit and then he gives Barney the slip and ends up going out and finding his, you know, his friends. Uh, Barney finds him. We have our, I would say, I think it's this is our first assassination attempt on, on Vinny. Right. That comes after, at, also after our very first dance sequence. Oh, it comes after the tremendous merengue number because Vinny's trying to teach Barney how to be confident and how to be confident yeah. with women. And he's he's telling Barney, he's trying to give Barney these tips and get Barney to loosen up. And the dance, this dance sequence is a great engine for that change where you really see Barney's changed. But it, and it also, it just totally brings out the man in Barney. I mean, <laughs> metaphorically, because when the when the hitmen start firing at Vinny, Barney whips out his gun and and yeah. fire, he shoots, knocks the chandelier down, and yeah. saves Vinny's life. Vinny kind of realizes, has his moment of clarity, and is like, "Wow, you saved right. my life. I'm indebted to you." Well, no. What happens is, he says to Barney, "You saved my life," and Barney said. Well, you save mine first. I think in that he showed him, you know, what it means to be confident mm. and to live your life and to, you know, be proud of who you are. And so then Vinny says, we're in each other's debt forever. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's right. So you have, so they, they, and he says that earnestly. Yes. And then the next morning he, he goes on trial and he tells the full, like with detail, he gives this amazingly entertaining testimony. Um, But he also, he also has this great speech about, because the, the, the defense attorney kind of tries to discredit Vinny by saying, you know, you're in witness protection program, you're getting paid, you get a house, you get all this right. stuff. And Vinny's like, oh, yeah, I love you. That ain't all. That isn't all I get. Uh, right. And and he kind of sets this attorney up and this attorney attorney's like, all right, he's going to sink his case. And then he goes, yeah, I also get to never see my family. I get to never mm-hmm. see be go home again. I I am in this place that is not at all where I'm where I'm from. It's not home to me. Yeah. He and he's like, you know, it's nice. It's it's quiet. But when you're from the city that never sleeps, it's a living yeah. hell. So. Right. But he's and and he's really like earnest and you could there's a what I love about Steve Martin's performance is there's a big difference. Like this guy's much better at telling the truth than he is at lying. Whenever he's lying, he's so full of shit and so easy to tell. Yeah, you can tell that he's searching for all the things to say and he (laughs) makes up names like. Uncle yeah, Alfresco. Uncle Alfresco. Uncle yeah. Alf- I love the Uncle Alfresco story. But that comes right. that comes later. Right. But still, he comes up with these like names like Uncle Alfresco, yeah. where it's just like, what? So <laughs> it's great. And but he's but when he's telling the truth, you really can tell. And he so they come back to town. Barney Well, before but first the re- the thing that really sells it is that the, I forget if it's the judge or wh- whoever it is, like, all right, but it's not like there's guys coming in here with, like... That's not until you know, later. White... That wasn't until later? That's at, the, that's at the end. That's when he's on... Well, that's when he's in court in Freiburg. Uh, okay. My apologies. I, I that's know, true. I know that's this true. because uh, I, I had been watch- I'd been re-watching the movie in segments, and I had not watched the last 20 minutes until this afternoon. Oh. So it's very oh, okay. fresh. Got it. So, all right. Uh, Cause I thought I about redact I, what I just said. I, I thought about that as well, but uh, yeah. So they come back and Barney on the plane is, is hitting on the stewardess in a, in a, in a respect. It's a very off color joke. He buys, he buys a nun a drink. <laughs> uh, yeah. He said, ah, have a brandy. It's made by monks. It's, it's yeah. great. Cause it's Rick Moranis totally like loosened up. And he, so they they go back. Vinny kind of starts to set up this scheme where he's going to set Barney up with Hannah, and that's really and that's really really cute. Like you know, they kind of have this whole arranged meetup at this at a Padres game, which is I I never realized this until I just watched it the other day. You never see anybody playing baseball. <laughs> you see them in the stands reacting yeah. to baseball plays you see like the jumbotron with like the little animations coming up yeah and it just has a, a series of them reacting to things that would be happening on a field yeah you never see the field yeah and, and interesting and this is like i'm surprised this isn't in the imdb trivia because it's totally the type of thing that would be in the imd trivia imdb trivia is that in 1989's parent 1989's parenthood opened with Steve Martin's character at a baseball game. Steve Martin appeared in that movie with Rick Moranis. 
Yeah. yeah. It's a, you normally see that in the I sometimes in the IMDb trivia. It's like, I don't know if that's trivia. That's just kind of like a coincidence. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, but anyway, it's I a guess fun it was just popular at the time to include baseball games. Yeah, it was, you know, it mm. was a funny it was a fun, funny scene. And I think that's the scene where Vinny finds out that the the local little league that the, that the kids play for, they don't have a they don't have a field. They don't have a they don't have a good field, which I don't get because Freiburg does not look like it is lacking for funds. It's a very clean community, um, but they say that whenever it rains, the field turns into mud for weeks. Yes. And yes. you know what? True. But they're in Southern California. All right. Anyway, but long that is also true. We're gonna get we're gonna get away from the uh, from the logic point there. So when they come back, so Barney kind of starts off this relationship with Hannah. He takes her to a law enforcement dinner, and they have we have dance scene. With Bill Irwin, amazingly scene gets his dance. Another merengue scene. I will all and you see Barney at his like most confident. Yeah. And I will also or, or actually I should say that comes the next morning the next when morning. he when he uh kicks Daniel Stern out of the house. Yes. Um but I I also want to mention that the two merengue dance sequence scenes which what what other movie has two merengue dance sequence scenes that's not about the merengue. Anyway, I uh, the music, so the the music for this movie was done by Ira Newborn, who also did the score for Brain Donors, yeah. and you can definitely hear the Brain Donors do 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 like you kind of hear mm-hmm. that a little bit in these merengue songs. But I don't know that he composed the merengue. He might have done the arrangements for them because it's very, there's it's very difficult to find. I've been looking for this for reasons <laughs> that will be made clear very soon I, I have to go on like you know youtube and find it but it's really hard to find that that track so yeah so they but they have this great dance number and he spends the night and then he beats up her ex-husband the next morning it's right. this amazing uh fantasy and then also steve martin or vinnie antonelli goes to the supermarket and meets Sheldine, played by carol kane oh my god he has the best pickup line ever she's in the frozen food aisle and she's like going into one of the things and he goes like you better get out of the frozen food you know section. you shouldn't be in the frozen food section <laughs> and she's like why not why? he's like because you're gonna melt all of this stuff <laughs> the way yeah. that he says stuff you is could so melt good. all of this stuff and they go and she's to like, oh. they go to Reno, they get married, which is so this is actually based on a true story that Henry Hill okay. happened to Henry Hill. He he married married this woman. Um it, it was his girlfriend, Shelly. He was in Seattle. He was actually in witness protection in Seattle. And okay. he got married, got drunk, and called his lawyer, and he told the lawyer that he didn't get married under his he, he said it's okay, he didn't marry her under his real name. Uh, right. And he got the marriage annulled, which which explains, uh, which would explain in My Blue Heaven how how Vinny is able to then end up marrying Officer Ryback, played by Melanie Mayron. <laughs> right. So and and how we get there is Vinny 
So Vinny's gang ends up getting all of these empty, like the water bottle jug, the water jugs for water dispensers. Uh And he decides he's going to start collecting money for a, a little league field. And the boys. Well, what's so, yeah, that's what it says on the containers. No, but he, he's also collecting all the containers and bringing them back to he, I'm going to go out on a limb here. He is not, this is not his plan. This is not his original plan. Right. He is actually still, he is actually using a charity to, I guess, embezzle money. And he gets bust. He gets pulled over and Hannah arrests him and says, she's going to try him and arraign him under his real name. Uh, Oh, this is also after she discovers that Barney, who just tells her like, hey, I can't, I'm going undercover. They they make him undercover. And he argues about it. And then he ends up having to go undercover as a Canadian, uh, like, fencer, I think. I forget exactly what it is, but it's, you know, he and Bill Irwin are there undercover saying that they are there to purchase stolen goods right which from, is what from from Vinny Vinny yeah so but Vinny but they don't sells know them that it's out. Vinny right and Vinny doesn't know that they're that it's Barty obviously Vinny so when Vinny gets arrested Vinny sells out Barney without knowing it he tells Hannah he's like they're he's he's like you're looking for like they're big time criminals right under your nose these guys are staying at this motel right. And Hannah, and this is interesting because I, she gets really upset that it's Barney undercover when she goes to make the arrest. Yeah. And I think she thinks that like Vinny kind of set it up for some reason, but that that part always kind of confuses me that she gets Mm -hmm. really upset at Barney and then almost out of spite says like, I'm going to arraign Vinny under his real name. Yeah. So which he he objects to so that they end up because also Vinny has still has to make his other trial appearance so of course the the, the mob is going to be out looking for him and then right. they have this trial in Freiburg during which at the end of which at Hannah makes the as you were saying before yeah um you know the FBI would like us to believe that at any moment two men wearing white ties on white shirts are gonna and as she's describing yeah. it this is what's happening and in comes Robert Miranda uh-huh <laughs> um and I forget who the actors who plays the other hitman but like you've seen them before sure yeah uh, uh, so they and then, of course they come in and they start firing and uh Vinny. Vinny escapes. He's let out by Officer Ryback, who we has had a thing for him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like where they where they get together, where they hook up. So maybe his marriage to Sheldine has already been annulled. We're not going to obsess over it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, he ends up. Oh, and while he's in jail, which it's funny, he's got the run of the place. He can just kind of open and close the door whenever. Yeah, it's so great when he's in his little jail cell and he's talking to Barney on the other side and he just like opens the the door. Yeah. Barney's like, what is happening? And he says that uh, he doesn't like to use the toilet in there so that he the cops (laughs) that he could just use theirs. He ends up. So he ends up making a phone call while he's after after Barney talks to him about about the trial and then there's this whole 
there's this kind of kind of like escape chase scene, though you really don't know where the hitmen went. And they mm-hmm. end up at the at the construction site for the baseball field, which apparently the district attorney has no idea exists, probably because it's only existed now for right. A, a few well, hours. what she oh, says, she like her theory is that he arranged all of this while he was in jail, which is absolutely correct. Yeah, her theory is and absolutely my, correct. My favorite part about it is that there's a sign up. That says like the Vincent Antonelli and then in parentheses, AKA, AKA Todd, Todd Wilkinson, Wilkinson. <laughs> baseball field or whatever. And yes. I saw that and I was just like, that is so good. Oh, it's, that is it, so good. It's, it's so great. So yeah. So it ends up and then the, you know, the hitmen show up. And so it's uh, before the hitmen show up, this is where uncle Alfresco comes in. Vinny right. goes into the story. Oh, because he's he's insulted that Hannah would think that he would dare steal from children. And he starts telling the story about Uncle Alfresco and how Uncle Uncle Alfresco is going to get him this bicycle for Christmas. In the yeah. middle of the story, the hitmen show up like Vinny what, grabs a gun, shoots the guns out of their hands and they right. get arrested. He goes right back into the story. It's so funny. Yeah. It's it's almost like they were writing the screenplay and they were like, oh, we forgot to resolve what happens with the hitmen. I just have him show up, have Vinny disarm him, have him get arrested, have him get back to the story about Uncle Alfresco. And it's great. Yeah. So yes, Uncle Alfresco. And I mean, I mean, he's such a good shot, but I wouldn't expect any less from Cowboy Gill. Cowboy Gill. Right. <laughs> Those are not super. That's parenthood. Sakers. Sorry, we're we're crossing over with uh, our other Steve Martin, our Moranis Martin. Movies. Yeah. First. So, yeah. So, uh, so then he goes right back into the story about Uncle Alfresco being being dead, <laughs> being shot in the back of the head. Uh, I love it because Uncle Alfresco isn't that like Uncle Naked? <laughs> isn't that like Alfresco? Alfresco it's just like <laughs> in open air, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, so that and then so it's kind of where it's left and then we cut to I don't know how much later but the stadium is built it's opening day and you've got the you've got uh the other kind of the the other wise guys in the sand selling peanuts popcorn car stereos the yeah. all the stolen goods the cannoli also, stand Philomena I uh, I know I know that this is making connections that don't actually exist. But I, Vinny, as well as the Little League team, at least at the very beginning, are dressed in a red shirt, kind of like a white or beige suit, and a yellow tie. Mm -hmm. So my first thought is he's dressed like a hot dog. And then I remember, did did you, have you watched the, uh, the Tim Robinson sketch comedy show, I Think You Should Leave? No. Okay, well, there is a sketch about this guy who shows up to this function and he's in a hot dog costume and he makes reference to a guy and he's like, he's the one who's dressed as a hot dog and it's a guy who's essentially wearing the Vin- the Vinny Antonelli, you know, beige suit with red shirt and yellow tie. Anyway, I just, it reminded me of it and I was like, that's exactly what the guy is wearing to look, to dress like a hot dog in that sketch. Anyway, okay. Yeah. It's a baseball game. He's dressed like a hot dog. It's great. Why not? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So what's yeah, also so... interesting what's also interesting is that the assistant DA like announces that he's gonna be throwing out the first pitch and it's just like, Who's this lady? 
Why is she <laughs> announcing this? Well, because well, she's one of the characters of the movie. I mean, look, Freiburg, it, it, it's a small, it seems like a small town. Like, you would know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like all the kids would be like, oh, look, it's District Attorney Hannah Stubbs or Assistant District Attorney Hannah Stubbs. I mean, I, I feel like it'd be more appropriate to be like, I don't know. Billy Sparrow or whatever, the guy who owns the pet shop or something, like somebody who people actually would recognize. He's the umpire. Oh, that's right. He's the umpire. Yeah. <laughs> He's the umpire. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, anyway. It, it's fun. And it ends with a bit the merengue. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean. Everyone's there. They, they, they resolve everything. Oh, sorry. His, both, both of his ex-wives. So, Linda and Shaldine are back. They establish that they're both ex-wives, that right. they are both Vinny's ex-wives, and that they have both now married other men in the Witness Protection Program. Yeah. So, this movie came out almost 30 years ago. Yeah. And I'd say I enjoy it more and more with every viewing. And... There's nothing about it that feels especially dated, except for, you know, modes of transportation. I'm pretty sure Barney is actually driving uh, the same car that our, you know, grandparents drove us to the movie theater in that day. Oh, the Chevrolet Caprice. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, which eventually became your your car. Well, um, no, that one. So the four-door became Michael's cousin, cousin Michael. Oh. Yes. I got the well, two-door anyway. Caprice Classic. The classic, of course, but let's but, be historically accurate. But but actually, you know what? We probably were driven to the theater in the car that was in the movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> Grandpa was not with us. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's so much fun, and I I'm going to let you get into your vision for this property's future by first saying that. It, I am aware I I am aware of what you are going to say and it was hard for me to watch it without thinking about that. So I will let you launch into what you are planning to do with this movie. Well, for years for definitely at least 5 years now I have felt that of all of the movies that have been turned into Broadway musicals, nothing has called for it the way that My Blue Heaven does. My Blue Heaven, as I alluded to earlier, it's set up in this great two-act structure with Act One going up until the the testimony and then mm -hmm. Act Two being everything everything after more of the love story and kind of the resolution to the the whole like Vinny crime thing. So you've got the you've got some big memorable numbers. You've got the merengue in act 1 which is then reprised in act 2 and then would also be your bow music. You would not open with the song My Blue Heaven. That would be your closing number where you know he's finally he's accepted this place as his home he loves it and now he's singing right. my my blue heaven so i've i've actually started I, I mean i have no i have no permission to do this i have no i don't know i've just kind of started with like writing lyrics and writing songs because well i mean dan i will say this there are plenty of and i'm not going to say broadway but plenty of small productions of adaptations of, you know, movies done as as stage plays or musicals 
that are listed as being like an unauthorized. Yeah. So it's like you could probably get away with doing something like that and testing the waters. I mean, I just figured, screw it. I'm just going to like start writing. So like and in fact, I I just so many things seem clear to me. Like I actually would have it open with Vinny being arrested in New York and the opening number being called Miranda rights, where the cop is trying to read Vinny, his Miranda rights, but Vinny keeps interrupting him because he knows the Miranda rights so well. Okay. So he just starts doing his reading himself, his Miranda rights. And then he's interrogated by the FBI and he starts, this is where you first see him making up all the excuses and telling the other, you know, the uncle Alfresco's the Turkey catchatories. Mm-hmm. This is, this is where he, this is where he starts out and he says, uh, um, you know, that night I was in Brooklyn with a truck of penicillin for a group of sickly orphans who were being raised by Mormons. And because the congregation was against the medication, there was some hesitation, despite my sterling reputation. <laughs> um, so anyway, they, they break him. They... Uh, you know, they 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 break him down. Uh, another point, they they tell him that they know he robbed a bank. He goes, "This is a huge misunderstanding. There's no need for reprimanding. The teller was just handing me donation for a charity. When the teller's other arm by mistake hit the alarm, so open up these cuffs and set me free." <laughs> so, oh my god, he uh, so and then he finally just breaks down and he tells he talks about how uh, you know his boss, Mister Gazzo, shoots Mister Capelli, and it's the same thing that you know, they testifies with later and the the courtroom scene would almost be like a bearer of that. But then, I mean, there's so many other you could do so many other numbers, uh, you know, have. And and you could also flesh out a lot of the characters, like Bill Irwin's character, Melanie Mayron's mm-hmm. character, have uh, you know have Barney and him do a duet. You know, you can't make yourself undercover. Uh, when when his wife leaves him, I want a whole song. You're no fun. Like I want a whole thing with. He has a system for everything. Right. She's talking you know. about how he has a system for putting syrup on pancakes, so that, so each that the pancake bottom gets one gets in, as much syrup as yeah. the top one. <laughs> which I think about every single time I eat pancakes. And I which, love I love know, the way he delivers that line. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you could also, and I'm thinking with this musical, I would actually set it in the 1970s. I would kind of Hmm. firmly plant it in the 1970s and combine original songs with standards like uh, Stranger in Paradise. Why not have Vinny sing Stranger in Paradise after uh, after Linda leaves him? Uh, You know, have I I could see I could I could also see him doing a number when he's like in that first grocery uh, grocery store scene. It's a vegetable. Well, it would end with that, but uh, something about how he's incapable of not committing crimes when he takes the, you know, price marker and marks every single item as like 39 cents. Well, that could be that could be the boy from New York City. Yeah, you could. I mean, which is the song that they use in the show. You could also just but I was thinking you'd have a song of him like with the manager talking about all of the traditional uh, uh, Italian Italian foods that that he'd wants mm-hmm. like uh you know like mama mia I drool for a pound of gabagool <laughs> yeah I don't know <laughs> that one's not written out yeah so but you have- also and and also just speaking about things that stick with you from this movie going back to what we said at the beginning I uh, that line when the the manager is just like is there anything um if you have any suggestions please feel free to fill out a you know comment card or whatever is there anything that you have weren't able to find and he's like arugula and he's like 
arugula and he's like it's a ve- like what's arugula and he's like it's a vegetable it's a vegetable yeah yeah like that every time i have have or i'm aware of arugula <laughs> yes existing nearby yes. you gotta it's say a vegetable. it's a vegetable um but then yeah i mean you've got lyrics so this is why i was trying to look for the merengue music because i've been writing lyrics to the merengue saw it's a first you move your hips right left right right left right dun, dun, you know <laughs> then you step like except it sounds too much like like dance your cares away worries uh-huh. for another so i'm trying not to make it sound like fraggle rock and then you've got a you've got this amazing tango number built in with the frozen foods tango you know you could melt all this stuff you could make mm-hmm. it turn to liquid if you stood close enough uh then resisting would be rough there would be no doubt about it you have a duet going back and forth um you know with you i cannot you're just too friggin' hot um uh you know i i've got some ly- something's been broken By the since way, i left hoboken <laughs> some, something's something been that we haven't mentioned I, oh, yeah something that we didn't mention though is that and uh what's what's her name that he meets in the grocery store oh, sheldine sheldine uh played by carol kane yeah carol who's kane. amazing yes Yes. Sorry, just uh, wanted to point out well, like how great this cast is. And this is and this is by the way where I'm thinking of deviating a bit from the script is because why would what brings Shel, someone like Sheldine to to Freiburg? And right. I I'm but I'm thinking what if she I want to add in like another there's an, like another assassination attempt and have it be that like so Barney calls her in, or, or, or she, uh, Vinny calls Barney after they after they get married, and he tells Barney, uh, you know that, you know he tells Barney his name, and and Barney's Bar- th- th- tells Barney her name, and Barney's half awake, but then early the next morning he wakes up and he's like he remembers he's like oh that's an alias for this woman like hit woman mm-hmm. mob, and he's like. Telling so, uh, you know, Barney gets Vinny to go undercover and kind of, you know, get her. I don't know. I'm, that's something I'm thinking about there for that. But then, well, I, yeah, I mean, it, that could be it's a whole other separate thing. I mean, because you also have to have it. I think I think you need to kind of there's a few things that you need to clarify. Like you, you need to kind of establish the like uh, what is it about Vinny that officer Ryback is attracted to? And cause she ends up like running off with him and having a baby with him, but she knows very little to nothing about him. And it's just this like instinct. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, when she first sees him, she finds him very attractive. I mean, I would establish that like she became a cop so that she would meet because she was <laughs> yeah, so right. into bad. She's like, so, how do I meet a like the like? She's like, I love bad boys. How do I meet bad yeah, boys? I'm gonna be a cop. So, uh, and at the beginning of the movie, in the first scene with uh, with her and um, and Hannah, she's she sees Vinny, and she was just like, don't you ever get that feeling when you see someone, and the hair in the back of your neck stands up, and she's just like, no, and she's never had that until. And then you see that when she sees Barney, she kind of. Reaches yeah. and touches the back of her neck. Oh, definitely. Which is so funny, you know. Yeah. I mean, Rick Moranis is great, but the fact that he would be cast as somebody who would make the hair on the back of someone's neck stand up at first sight is, is very wonderful. Is wonderful. Oh, well, I love it. I think it's because, great. But because it's like, it's like that's, he's the right 
person for her. Yeah. Much like you can tell his ex-wife was not the right person for him. Her ex is was definitely not the right person for her. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you can I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I like I think the relation I like the relationships in this. I feel like in the musical I would need to uh give give more to it, give more focus to that relationship, to who Shaldine yeah. is. I th- I think it's also really fascinating that the main characters of this movie are all coming off of like major breakups. Yes. Yes. Well, we don't know how recent hers is, though. We we can assume it's it's pretty recent. It's I'd say so based on the conversation that she has with her kids when they're going to go yeah. spend like the weekend or whatever with him. Well, not to mention the fact that the the turtle that he mm-hmm. has in the beginning because he says you remember dad right he used to live here so yeah i mean and that turtle has not been alive for a long time nor will it remain alive much longer well so cleaning in solitude that's another song that's a ballad <laughs> hannah gets a sing right it. so so the thing is like thinking about him has driven her to drink and she's just like oh my god you're making me Drink. You're making me I'm drinking clean. in solitude. Yeah. I'm, I'm cleaning in solitude. So, so you have to imagine that it's pretty recent if she's having that response and is so surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. So good point. Yeah, they are all they're coming off of off a of breakup. So I guess there's there's really a message in this movie about being with someone that's the right person for you. And looking looking at it through that lens, I think there's it's more justifiable to have Vinny go from Linda to Shaldine to mm-hmm. Ryback because he's he says the whole time he's like, you know, I like women kind of he's like, I like him kind of dirty, he says. Yeah. But I guess what he doesn't realize is that, like, you know, I guess kind of like the the the, the I don't quote unquote dirtiest. I don't want to call it dirty, but like the extreme of that is this cop who loves criminals <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so yeah anyway my musical i would definitely uh flesh out her character but yeah so that's and i, I mean and honestly i i think i know someone who would be a, a amazing barney okay in the musical of this no no and and i mean yeah because i can't i want to know in a moment what you what your thoughts are on it, but uh, someone who I know through my friend Ray is uh, Jared Gertner. Jared is a he's a professional actor, he, an Olivier nominated actor. He understudied Josh Gad in the uh, the original Broadway cast of Book of Mormon, and okay. then he played uh, um, Elder Cunningham, Josh Gad, the role that Josh mm-hmm. Gad originated, played that role and on the West End. That's how he he, he got the, the Olivier nomination. He's been on uh, Modern Family. Uh, he's had other bits on TV, but he would just be the perfect Barney. And I've okay. always, I've kind of always imagined him as being a great Barney. So uh-huh. I feel like if I ever get this done, he's probably he might be the first person I actually send this to. Because uh-huh. I I just I just think he's he's the, you know the right age and I think he's the right type I think the humor of it and the character would mm-hmm. uh, he'd be great so anyway that's that's kind of that's my pitch uh, John what are what are your thoughts 
Well, like I said, it's it was really difficult to not think about your idea, knowing that you had this idea that you were actually working on for this musical. Um, so, of course, that kind of stuck in me. But there were a couple of things that stuck out, one of which was that line that we talked about before when he said, we're in each other's debt forever. So it kind of, and, and it's to- this thing is totally like open for some sort of sequel, I. Uh, you know, they're all still living in Freiburg at the end of the movie. And you have to imagine that they can get into other hijinks together. And maybe, you know, Barney is in some sort of bind and would need uh, Vinny's help. And they are in each other's debt. Uh, The only other, and I haven't thought through what exactly that would be, but I mean, there, I feel like nothing is, uh, too weird for that. What are, what are you thinking? I've had some thoughts on this. Okay. Well, because this is our, I mean, the musical's been around a lot longer than our podcast. And yeah. the purpose of our podcast is to not just explore one possibility, but explore many. And I I did think of a sequel. I didn't necessarily connect it to that line, though that's a great foundation for it. But mm-hmm. I was imagining some sequel where maybe it's Barney's retirement. And... Uh-huh. um. Or maybe, which would be interesting because it would be Rick Moranis's return to acting. I know. I well, <laughs> yeah, but so you could do something, um, uh, something around that. But I was also thinking. I mean, you know, the organized crime is organized crime, and the organized crime today certainly links to the organized crime of of yesterday. So uh-huh. what if if something were to be un- unearthed or discovered that would potentially either call on Vinny to that would require Vinny to testify again or mm-hmm. would put hitmen on onto Vinny and it'd be funny because I'm imagining Steve Martin playing the role, but without doing like now, like fully adapted to suburbia and just looking like Steve Martin without like the spike yeah, hair right. uh, and just looking like Steve Martin. But then and maybe even acting like Steve Martin, except for when he gets pulled back in even to a whole rib on the like, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Yeah. I also want to point out this may be the only movie that I can think of where Steve Martin has different hair it's one of the few i feel like mixed nuts they oh, yeah. see i'm not as familiar with mixed nuts but like it's which also nor, drastically nor Ephron. different nor Ephron. is it really i i believe yeah mixed nuts which i, I not not a good movie not, right i think i saw it once and i was like okay we're good um not an, a good another movie. yeah another yeah, thought Nora Ephron. That, well i mean also what if uh barney and I mean, maybe Bill Irwin, I don't remember his character's name, but maybe they are undercover, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like 30 years later, of course, but it's like they're undercover and they're in like so super deep and maybe they are undercover <gasps> in some sort of mafia situation and they have to bring in Vinny. Oh, Vinny to get to, them out. Uh, what if yeah. Hannah, what if Hannah is like up for a seat on the Supreme Court? <laughs> I mean, I like where it. does that character go? Like, where what happens? So maybe Hannah, no, maybe Hannah and and Barney live in Washington D.C. and Hannah's going to be 
you know, Hannah is, I don't know, maybe she's just a powerful lawyer. You don't have to stay in Freiburg or maybe, maybe like they're in, they're in DC, but Vinny's in Freiburg. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, I do, I think there's a lot of potential in a, in a sequel. Do you have any ideas of like the creative team that you would want to see behind it? Oh, no, I didn't because that wasn't actually my primary idea. Oh, my primary idea Would be some sort of prequel series or something about Uncle Alfresco. <laughs> and maybe it's all centered around a much older Vincent talking about, like, telling stories of Uncle Alfresco and then seeing them kind of come to life. And uh, my thought for Uncle Alfresco was, is uh, Ray Liotta, oh. which would all bring it full circle. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I yeah, Ray Liotta. I, I'm a little disappointed that Ray Liotta, and I'm sure there there are issues, and I've heard Ray Liotta is not the easiest to deal with. But a little bummed that they didn't, and maybe I don't know, maybe he's in there for a cameo. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But bummed that Ray Liotta was not brought into the Irishman. I did not notice anything that could potentially be a Ray Liotta situation. Uh, I'm hoping we're kind of we, we're. We're hoping to we've we've got, I think, a January 2nd. I think we have some time and we're like, OK, I think we could take four hours on January 2nd and watch The Irishman. So you're so it's three and a half hours for the movie, but you're factoring in bathroom breaks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all. Yeah. No, no worries. So all in four hours. That's the. Uh, so but that's that's The Irishman. That's not my blue heaven. So, no. uh, John, anything else that you want to add on about about this movie? It's great. It's great. It's awesome. I uh, I I will say it's not on any of the more traditional streaming platforms, but I happen to be staying at an Airbnb that had a a Roku TV and it is streaming currently on Roku's platform. So, if anybody out there uh, has Roku. You can watch it that way. I do have it on DVD. It, it's I, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, I'm I'm thinking I still have it, but it's one of those like very flimsy uh, cardboard yeah. covers. It's not like the plastic one. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. This is when they like first started making DVDs. And yes. They were like, let's see if this packaging works. I don't know. Let's do my blue heaven. No one will care if it's a complete failure. <laughs> It has no, it's not even in a widescreen format. It was made for your regular pan and scan. Yeah, then it makes me wonder if the only other time that I've seen this movie in its true form was when we went with Grandma and Grandpa in 1990. Yes. <laughs> but Grandpa Grandpa did not join us. This I remember. Sorry. I'm almost positive Grandma. Grandpa did not, did not <laughs> join us at the movie. So, but I, I, I do remember... That we saw it, and I remember seeing the trailer for for Goodfellas. And I, I will say, going to see this with you know the the three of us with her, something does feel familiar about it. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, I was seven, so my memory is a little hazier than uh, than yours would be. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I couldn't tell you what posters were in the. Uh... We're in the lobby, but... No, but you remember that, you know, what the trailers were, at least one of them was. I don't remember any of the other trailers, but I mean, like ever since then, I have remembered 
seeing the Goodfellas trailer and mm-hmm. being intrigued by that movie. And sure enough, it's become one of my favorite movies uh-huh. over time. Uh, you're not alone there. A lot of people list that amongst their favorites. I'm not crazy about it. I'd say that as far as uh, mafia movies go, My Blue Heaven is as good as it gets for me. I was going to say, is as good as it gets for you? Nora Ephron? Is that Nora as Ephron? No, James Elbrook. It feels like James Elbrook. Oh, okay. uh, it feels like so, it would be Nora Ephron. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I know you're not you're not big into the uh the mob movies. I do have no. an appreciation for a good good mob movie. So I would gladly recommend any others. Uh some under the radar uh flicks about about organized crime and just crime in general, state of grace is okay. a great one that doesn't often get a lot of love. Ed Harris, Sean Penn, Gary Oldman. I mean, I, I like all three of them. Gary Oldman's one of my favorites, so. He's amazing. So I'll check it out. Anyway, John, let's, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about what we're doing on our next episode. So our next episode, the reason why we landed on this one is because uh, the first theatrical adaptation of this story uh, was made in 1920. And as we are approaching 2020, it feels appropriate to uh, celebrate uh, that this was made into a film 100 years ago. And it is a story that's been done a ton of different ways. We're going to talk about as many of them as we possibly can in the next episode. But it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Is that the full title? I'm sorry. That is the full title of Robert Louis Stevenson's novella. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and if anybody wants to watch the uh, the nineteen twenty uh, adaptation with John Barrymore, uh, I'm going to be checking it out to to gear up. But this one's going to mean a lot of uh, homework about just listing all the different ways it's been you know adapted. I may check out nineteen ninety five's Doctor Jekyll and Ms Hyde, starring Sean Young and Tim Daly. You might do that. Or I might not. We'll see. You might not. I'm going to check out something and we're going to talk about it. So I'm I'm psyched for that. Well, anyway, until next time. Yeah. Nora Ephron. (laughs) Come on. I'm going to Nora Nora Ephron out of here. Nora Nora Ephron Ephron Hubbard. Good journey. Good journey. (laughs) 